Here's a random Irish word for you. Taulacht. It means a mass burial site for plague victims. It's reasonably common around Ireland. Proof of previous pandemics, probably. The Dublin suburb Talla comes from Taulacht. While Mohill County Leitrim has a Taulacht Moor, Taulacht Bjog and Taulacht Valley nearby, showing it was pretty badly hit by plague. Most likely the Justinian plague in the mid-6th century, which spread throughout the Roman Empire from Egypt and up into northern Europe. Commentators at the time talked of how some people dropped dead in less than a day, while others fell ill but recovered, and then some were completely unaffected. The cause of it may have been some extreme weather events between 535 and 536 AD that blocked out the sun, bringing a nuclear winter, which in turn brought famine, weakness, and with it, plague. The local abbot of Mohill at the time was St. Monachon, or St. Monchon, he he may have had the same indecision as me about how to pronounce his name, but he died in the plague, as did St. Fechin of Four, and a few other high-profile saints, presumably because they were out administering to the sick. This pandemic kept coming back, sounds familiar, and in all killed 25 to 50 million people. 40% of the European population, many of them now buried in Taulachts, or Taulachti, I suppose, mass burial pits. Anyhow, welcome to the Almanac of Ireland, a deep dive into the history, heritage and habitats of this country. The family of the most definitely definitely. not a, an artwork in a, in a white gallery. Sunny days really are the best times to see them. You're saying we turn to Christianity because of a weather event. The story you tell is like something out of a Hollywood movie. But when you realise what was necessary to bring us here, you came on a train. The Irish landscape has within it places that are neither of this world or the other world. And I'm not talking about churches or ring forts or passage graves. I'm talking about the hundreds and even thousands of holy wells. Natural springs that rise up out of the earth to form these sacred water places that exist in the landscape. But they connect with something else entirely. Either a holy power, a source of healing, an ancient wise being, or a complex supernatural energy. So I've come to a holy well in County Meath to get a better sense of these liminal places, and to find out about the rituals and the customs associated with one particular holy well, and how these then tie in with the beliefs and practices around holy wells in general. This is St. Kieran's well in a place called Castle Kieran, and um, it's on the outskirts of Kells, about three or four miles outside Kells. I'm with Dr. Ronan Foley, an associate professor in the Department of Geography at Maynooth University. He studies places that he refers to as therapeutic landscapes. I came across it because I was writing a book about healing waters in Ireland, and I wanted to do detailed studies of about 10 different wells and go and find out as much as I could about them and particularly about the places and the rituals, who came to them. But it was really important for me to come and visit them and actually be in the place and experience what they were like and see who turned up. We're looking at a grassy field beside a country road, 
willow trees and ash and beaches and obviously the, the ubiquitous rhododendron. The field slopes gently upwards and there's what looks like a Catholic shrine at the top of the hill. And there's good parking as though they expect enough for a football mm, match yeah, or something. Yeah. Now, on first glance, it's all pretty unassuming. Just a well-mowed patch of grass with a few rocks and tiny pools of water. But if you know how to decode the site, it suddenly transforms, revealing different ways of being in the world, of experiencing reality, of encountering divine powers, and of relating to your own body. It's all here. You just need to know how to look. Okay, well we cross over, so there's a stream, obviously must be connected to St. Kieran's well, and then mm -hmm. leading up to a, a hill, mm -hmm. and look at that, that looks like a perfect growth of watercress there, possibly. Very complex gate, yeah. a garden gate. The grass in the field is springy underfoot, and large stone crags break the surface here and there. So an interesting site. These big, is that limestone? It's something? absolutely limestone. So it's a classic sort of almost like a karst landscape. Yeah. You know, it's a, so it's that classic calcium carbonate limestone pavement kind of layout with lovely grass all, all through it. So you have these outcrops of limestone and you have the water creeping. So that little stream has little underground springs that run through this site and then connect out to the main river Blackwater, which is about... 400 metres that way, mm. so, so it's a little tributary running out to it. Um, and you can see here, you can see the shape of the limestone crags. They look like something you'd see in the burn, lovely kind of dips and furrows, and then lots of little cavelets and little underground stream parts as well. And they actually are a big part of the, the story of the well. Okay, and how, when I arrive in this place, a place like this, it's always tricky to know how to negotiate it. So there's crosses, there's a little bench there over a stream, and mm -hmm. then there's a little, that looks like a natural well. Yeah, so is that yeah. the well itself? Yeah, well, there's three wells. Oh, right. In fact, there's four wells. So that's what makes it such an interesting size. A lot of holy wells, there's just a small little single hole in the ground sometimes, often dried out. But what I might do is bring you to each of them and explain right. what each one is when, you, when you're actually at them. I'll let you lead the way. Yeah. The spring that feeds the well emerges through the limestone bedrock and forms a pool a couple of metres wide. For generations, people have come here to perform rituals in the hope of achieving the cures that are associated with this well, in particular on the pattern day or the birthday of the saint that's associated with the well. So the main well is over here. So if you look here, what you have is the actual drinking well. You can see there's a sign there called St. Kieran's Well, the Blessed Drinking Well a small metal spoon that people drink from. How hygienic it is, I'm really not sure, but people have been drinking from it for years. The, again, the history going back to the 1850s records the presence of a metal bowl to drink from. So now that may not be the original, yeah. but it's there. It's on a, you can see it's on a chain. And as you can see, it's surrounded by a silver, all silver railing. There's five metal, silver metal crosses and the rounds, if you like, so the rounding rituals as you, you walk and you do your prayers in a sequence would be you'd stop and say a prayer at each of those five crosses and do three circles of the well. So that, so that was the ritual praying um, practice and then you would have a drink of water. So you had to do that before you got 
the water. And the railing is at the higher bit, so and this was some older people walking around. Like I've done Loch Derg and I know yeah, that's yeah. hard. You're on your knees, Absolutely, you're tumbling. Yeah, and this yeah, is in yeah. case there's crowds who might be pushing into the Absolutely into the and, and, and older people maybe needing support to move around. And you know, it's not it's not even as you can see the ground is kind of uneven, yeah. it's a sloping site. There's a rough little wooden stone bridge there at the bottom of it. And then getting down to crouch in and actually drink the water is, is quite tricky. So so I need to go around three times before I can try the water? Absolutely. I'll do um, it very quickly. Yeah, okay, I'm going to run. I presume you don't, need, you don't need to walk. I'll run. No, you can run. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Give it a hand. Number Give one. A hand. You have to go outside the crosses. Outside the crosses. <laughs> yeah, okay. Number two. And officially number three. So I drink the water. There's an Irish word for that spoon that you drink that hangs over a well, but I can't remember to drinking from. Yeah. I didn't know there was a Scoop goes into the well. So. I should probably shouldn't touch the scoop with my lips, should I? The tradition is... Oh, that's lovely. I'll have another drink of that. Oh, oh it's got that, that earthy taste that you yeah, do not get yeah. from tap water. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I hope I have some bottles in the car. I need to take some of that with me. One of the traditions about drinking the water here was that uh, some of the, one of the older traditions was you if you took water from the well, you weren't allowed to speak to anyone until you got home. Now it's too late for that now, but <laughs> but that was it's one of several traditions, right. and and that people would often come at, at night to get the well, so they were less likely to meet someone that they'd have to speak to before they got at home and drank it at home. That that's one of a number of traditions. Holy wells like this one usually have stories and legends associated with them. This well, apparently, is associated with fish, supernatural fish. So this, again, is a, a common enough, you know, legend slash story about wells is that they have holy fishes in them. Here they were supposed to be trout, but again, it varies. They actually had names, Faith, Hope and Charity, so the actual fishes had, had their own names. I've been here on a pattern, and you, you can look at this today and there's no sign of any, not much sign of any... Um, aquatic life in it apart from some skippers and some bits and pieces but yeah. I, I've seen what I would call pinkines or three pinkines the night I came here at midnight for the pattern I saw three pinkines come out and one of them is burnt on one side so it's a classic holy well legend that if you, and it's a, you if you take the fish from the water it's bad karma basically and if you take the water and boil it in some ways it won't boil if you take the fish they jump out of the frying pan and come back to the well. So this is the story of one of, of one of those holy fish. And so did you see it that it was dark on one I side? Did, I didn't see that, but right. other people say they've seen that. But I certainly saw the three, and I'm not a particularly strong religious believer or whatever, but I certainly witnessed them. There was three small little little pinkines in there on, on that evening. So. Right. Just started staring deeply into the, <laughs> into the water now. Yeah. Thank you.
the concept of reading the landscape has never been as clear to me as it is here. Ronan's insights have transformed what is really just a field with a stream passing through it into a whole multi-dimensional world where I can literally pass through different layers that allow me heal my body, connect with higher consciousness and seek guidance and relief. But only if I understand how to engage with it, how to unpack it. So if we walk down here and we're cross back over the bridge. Ronan gestures towards the road and I realise there's more to discover here. A few metres away there's a second well. This one has a metal seat at the edge which visitors used for a specific purpose. So this is a bench for dipping your feet in. So when people did the pilgrimage around the well they did the rounds of the well and they drank the water. So you put your toes in the water. It's good for warts and particularly good for corns and a little bit for other kind of aches and pains, really, leg-based aches and pains. So, so, so I came, I've been here on a couple of patterns and there's always a line of young, young and old people sitting. I have pictures of them, young and old people sitting on that bench, dipping their toes in the water. It's nice, a nice day, get your feet cold in the water, dip them in. So there's another specific healing element to this well so that was your kind of foot cure there so that was your foot massage if you like a natural foot massage coming out of the water there right so there's a bench perfectly positioned for me to sit on i'm just hoping that this where i'm putting my feet in now is after the well that i just drunk the water of or have i just yeah. been drinking yeah. people oh that's bench yeah, is very wet, very wet. Yeah. nonetheless i'll sit on it oh i have a, I have a wet bum now I'm going to get piles if nothing else, but at least I'll get my, my feet to be blessed. Take my sandals off. One foot will go in. Other foot in. I get this, this nice head buzzing sensation, <laughs> just probably because the cold, I mean it's not cold, but it's refreshing. That's very nice. A nice sort of gravelly, sandy bottom. I'm in no rush to take my feet out. That's very nice. Very nice. This is just like being in a spa. Okay, next step. Very good. Good, yeah, well. I don't have I the incense. I wouldn't disagree with you there. I've referred to Holy Wells as the people's spa, but that's a, a, a personal affectation, I guess. And so you go on lovely yeah. soft grass afterwards. Mm. It's like made for this. Mm. Instead of the little cushion slippers that they have in the Indeed. fancy resorts. And your white robes, yeah. So if we look over here, you see there's a little hollow in the in the limestone outcrop here just up from that streamy part and it's gone now but when i came here first there was a, a a sign stuck on there similar to the same style as the one at the well called um chair for ailments of the back so there's another body part that's that's kind of dealt with here in this people spa environment if you like it's, it's uncanny isn't it so we've just moved from yeah. where your belly and your stomach has improved probably by drinking the water mm -hmm. and you get that detoxification of drinking yeah. water yeah. now my feet and i've just gone whatever 10 feet maybe six six meters maximum to my feet done and then as you say this is the the back area mm -hmm. the chiropractic mm -hmm. age very all within this like limestone shapes, natural form shapes, and then grass in between them to as an easy route between them. Ronan points to some interesting indentations in a limestone outcrop. People would sometimes kneel in them, he tells me. And I, I don't know exactly here, but certainly in a lot of well sites, you'll see markers of, you know, the knees of St. Patrick, you know, and you, it's a really embodied thing. You, you put your body in the place of the saint, or you put your body in the place of 
the people who were there before you, you know, and you, rec- you physically recreate those kind of associations and rituals and you keep, you physically make that story stay alive by actually reproducing it in that way with your own body. So that's that's possible explanation for some of those grooves. Yeah, so it's, it's a really physical connection between you and the landscape. Yeah. It's the, yeah. the body and the soil and the yeah. land. I'm reminded of Turkish hammams or Roman baths. This seemingly simple, well-complex, in fact allows for a series of complex processes that are psychological, spiritual, medicinal, social and recreational. They work on so many levels, as direct entrance points into the womb of the world, the infinite energies of the unknown. Basically, a holy well can provide you with whatever you believe it can. These are threshold sites where one can leave the confines of limited thinking and daily struggles behind and find rejuvenation. They're about reconnecting with nature, mindfulness, all those modern buzzwords. There's an ash tree right behind the main well, and it's what's known as a rag tree. Now, similar rag trees are found at lots of holy well sites. Traditionally, people would have left offerings or votives attached to the tree, often pieces of of cloth. But these days, you can find all manner of items attached to the branches. See a couple of prayer cards there. There's an old shirt. There's an old, an old purple shirt. Pajamas, maybe. Um, but equally, you know, a lot of white witches come here. They yeah. put red ribbons on the trees, which is very strongly associated with their particular practice. They tend to get cleared away. Yeah. And some of that kind of, you know, pink f- fluffy dice that you'll often see as well. Some of that stuff gets cleared away. So it's a really. I go back to that idea. It's a really mobile place. That every time I come here, it's different. I think anything that anyone puts at a holy site or at a healing site has a value and a meaning. It's it's a vote of what's really interesting about them is traditionally they were for a cure or for you know the actual original meaning of a votive is to leave an offering for a gift to be received. Whereas a lot of people tend to give them after they've received the blessing. But the nowadays it's much more around kind of memory and loss, you know. So like the famous one in Liscanor, St. Bridget's down in Liscanor, is this huge cave just before the Cliffs of Moher, and it's just full of memorials. There's there's a memorial, a lot of Irish American stuff there, guys from nine eleven, you know, there's pictures of firemen from there, but lots of babies, lots of lots of, you know, lost babies, lots of older people died, young people taken away in accidents. There seems to be something around that sort of memory and loss that that they fill a space for as well. You know, so. Isn't that so potent? Like we think graveyards mm. do that role, but graveyards have become so suburban and so neat and so sort of confined. People still seem to want to go to these natural places. There's one more thing to visit at this well, and it's quite different in that it's non-natural. It's human-made. I'm talking about the oratory on top of the hill behind us. It's a remarkably steep hill for being in the middle of a field. It is very steep and in fact during the pattern day I've seen loads of kids here. Once the mass is over it becomes a picnic space and loads of kids gather up here and roll down that hill. It is a brilliant hill for rolling down. So so a kind of a playful space as well. The oratory is made of cut stone that's in the shape of a medieval monk's beehive cell. 
Even though it's shaped like a monk's cell, the oratory looks a bit like a grotto that you might see outside a church. A stone arch surrounds the niche of the grotto and there's a statue of the Virgin Mary on a shelf at the back. In front of her, there's a stone table. It's an altar, really, where people have left offerings like cards, small statues and photographs. So this is the oratory, and you can see it here. It's a, quite a pretty building. It's, it's a replica of St. St. Columkill's cell inside in Kells Town. So they decided to do a little recreation of it. It was built, it says here, it was erected through the, the zeal and enthusiasm of the late Father Peter O'Farrell, who was P.P. Carner Ross, from 1911 to 1919. I, be honest with you, I have mixed, personally, again, my purely my opinion, I have mixed feelings about this this building and its space in this in this well so here you have a church sanctioned built element looking down on the well below so to me it's kind of this is the sanctified part this is the the older part and and there's a kind of a surveillance thing going on here but that might be my personal superstition suspicions if you like nonetheless people are very drawn to this too it's a very beautiful object it looks very nice if we look in here we can see very load of Padre Pio. So there's there. lots of Padre Pios, lots of a um, couple of Marys, a couple of Jesuses, a photograph of a young woman. Yeah. One one would assume someone who's passed. We don't know. Okay. Um, and a, and a, an older man. It's a young girl with a belly top. Looks like she's tanned and on holiday somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Big loopy earring, earrings. Yeah. So 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 there's one memorial, if you like. There another memorial here to an older man with it with a date of 2014. I've been here before where there's been small little handwritten notes asking for help. You know, I'm, I'm poor, I'm sick, my family aren't well. You know, something very heartfelt, kind of slightly torn and ragged, but left here. And for me, almost what people leave at a site is sacred. It, it stays there as long as nature takes it, rather than man or humans. And I, I like the fact that you leave something behind and, and someone else can let nature take its course but it's there because you want to leave it here mm-hmm. so myself and my wife have left something very personal to us as a little little red rag on a, on a well that we like in near Selbridge and that's still there a number of years later and it's quite precious to us because we know mm-hmm. it's still there we kind of pick something that would last and, yeah. and it matters yeah. and isn't it the tradition that once oh look at the echo in here once it has finally um rotted that either the pain will have gone or the wound will have Absolutely, eased yeah. so you're yeah. allowing that time for nature to take yeah. its course yeah and and in a way what you're doing the, again the, the the red rag is a traditional thing the women from the west of ireland wore red petticoats they would tear the rag strip off their coat and leave it on the rig but it kind of had to be something that touched your body so it was that sense of you're taking away the illness putting it into this rag and then leaving it with the tree and then over time hmm. the nature takes its course the the illness kind of you know the rags take a very long time to disappear hopefully the illnesses would go a bit more quickly but that it, it's that embodied act it's something from your body that's hmm. left in the place to to take that illness and and, and pain away that's also the ritual of transference like you still get in mm. South American tribes Absolutely. and in Polynesian yeah, ones yeah. that the other object takes on the evil or the badness Absolutely. or the, the Absolutely. And, and holy wells are not you know holy wells are not uniquely Irish in any way at all the, the, the notion of the holy spring the holy water site is global you know there, there are holy wells there are rag trees in 
Ragtrees were recorded by General Gordon, you know, when he was doing Khartoum in South Sudan. A friend of mine who's a Russian scholar um, has seen them in Tuva, over in the very far near Mongolia, over there. You know, they are a global idea and this notion of nature providing a cure and you leaving your illness with nature. Often associated with water is, is and, and other natural objects like trees and stones is it's a global phenomenon. We, we tend to have it well preserved here, but it is it is a global instinct, I think. I suppose wells are reasonably well supported here compared to elsewhere, but in truth, many are becoming overgrown and forgotten. Due to modern farming practices and poorly maintained septic tanks, the water quality in many is bad. And if they're not maintained by diligent well guardians, foliage builds up and they turn swampy and nasty. Wells have sustained us spiritually, physically and psychologically for thousands of years. We owe it to them to look after them now. Who knows when we might need them again. But it's great to see a well like St Kieran's that is still honoured and cared for and that can even attract a crowd. As we get ready to leave, we see some visitors arriving. They're here for the pattern, the saint's birthday celebration that's happening tonight. One of them knows about the legend of the three fish that allegedly appear at midnight in the well. So people, so tonight there'll be people here. here Today, today's o'clock. patron Sunday for St. Yes, Kieran's. And, and they believe that at 12 o'clock tonight, three fish will appear, Father, Son and Holy Ghost. And they will come here and people have swore that they have seen them and they walk away very happy with, you know, that they have come out here and they will come to see them. And will they have seen them? Yes, yes, people will have said that they've seen them. Now, whether they're magic fish or anything else, but, like, just because you don't see fairies dancing on the lawn, it doesn't mean they're not there. So the fish come and people do see fish and they, they go away very happy. But whether the fish from the river getting through the cracks in the stones, I don't know. Oh, of course. If this is all limestone, there could be like secret pathways and everything. Yes, under the underground. Yeah. But that's the mystery. Hmm. So... It could be a bit of magic or it could be a bit uh, of nature. Well, it could be, yes. And it could be... So if you want to see something and it comes through the back door, the front door, as long as you see it, you're happy. So that's, that's life. That's the way they want it. Like it's some, I've just, been here myself. You've been listening to the Almanac of Ireland. I'm Moncon McGann. The series was produced by Colette Kinsella and partially funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. It's a red hair media production for RT Radio. All music in the series is by Blue Dot Sessions. Mm-hmm.